Hello again, friends. I'm Mark Stenson. You've come to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. Today, I'm so pleased to have a songwriter and performer who can share with us her work in not only creating the songs, but also in producing the work. Angela Soph is an award-winning Americana artist in the Northwest of the U.S. Angela, it's so good to have you with me. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Unlocking your world of creativity with Mark Stinson. Angela Soul's album, Second Wind, was released a couple of years ago and won the Americana Album of the Year from the Independent Music Awards. She has another single called Rocks that won the Great American Songwriting Contest in 2019. And now she's taken her music to the next level, and we're going to be talking about that. Angela, as soon as I read in some of the reviews that people are comparing your voice to Alison Krauss and Natalie Merchant, I said, well, that's enough for me. And so uh, I took a listen to your songs, and they're just just wonderful. Your voice is terrific. Thank you. Thanks so much. I, I admire both of those musicians, you know, from the time I was younger, I would say I listened to them on repeat. So I'm not surprised that's what people say. <laughs> well, I think about two things. I mean, first, what does it mean to you to be compared to artists like this? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think some artists may feel that it's pigeonholing to be labeled as sounding like someone or that that sort of puts them in a box or, you know, how could I live up to that expectation? I think what it does for the listener, though, is it helps you like you, you heard, you know, familiar names. And so you sort of knew what to expect from that type of music. And I think that's all it does. I try to stay away from feeling any one way. I'm always grateful when I can be compared to someone who's who's well known because I feel like it gives people a direction and something to expect from the music. So it's not a huge surprise when they go listen to it. Mm-hmm. So I find it a compliment. Yeah. And I wondered about some songwriters who are obviously writing for other people, or they may not know who will ever record their work, but as a singer songwriter yourself, you're also hearing the song and how you might perform it yourself. Does that contribute to your crafting of the lyrics as you're writing the song? You know, I have to be honest, I think as I'm writing the song, I am not thinking about production at all. Mm-hmm. That doesn't come until much later. The song, and maybe we'll get to this, but the song is very much like an organic entity <laughs> that has almost like it's this thing that's I'm pulling out of the clouds, you know. And then once it's there and I'm singing it, I'm, I'm mulling it over that's when I start to feel like, okay, what's the production direction for this song? But I try really hard not to get ahead of myself and plan prematurely. I just leave really big open spaces when I'm writing. Do you go into a song with an emotion in mind or is it a message? What are you trying to convey when you say, I want to sit down, I want to start writing. Here's what I think I want to say, but you know, also how I want it to feel. Mm, Yeah, I think both. When I write, I definitely sit down with something in mind. I I used to just like pick up my guitar and wait for something to show up, uh, hoping that something showed up. But I generally enter a session, whether it's with another writer or by myself, and I have something in mind and and an emotion attached to it. That doesn't mean that I stay with that theme or even with the emotion. Like it could evolve into something totally different. But I try to be prepared in my in my writing sessions, even when I'm alone, so that I make the most of the time 
And so that I feel like I've come to the table with my part done. So I do have sort of like an emotional or mood. I would say I would call it a mood behind the song that I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Do you have a go-to, you know, it's like, here's the mood I'm feeling at the moment. It may be optimistic. It may be pessimistic. You know, it may be troubling. It may be searching. Do you have a go-to that you say, I really need to get this feeling out? Your questions are so thought-provoking. <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> so I'm thinking here, I, I feel like there are two things that happen. When, this is for me when I'm writing, either it's like a journal entry, and it's just this sort of download of emotion, good or bad. So sometimes it's that and it's just venting through song. And then sometimes it's purposeful, planned at one o'clock, I'm going to sit down for an hour and write about X, Y, and Z. So I feel like for me, those two scenarios happen frequently. And when they come, I do structure time in my day to be writing, structured writing. But then I also try to allow room for that more, you know, I guess I would call it like playful, improvisational, you know, spur of the moment writing that does feel like I just have to get this out right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So many people have different writing processes. You know, get this advice where well, you need to sit down first thing in the morning and you write a thousand words and, you know, that's just what you're going to do. And yet I talked with a friend who said, no, I, I wrote my book on coffee breaks, waiting tables. It's like whenever I had a break, I, I wrote. And it sounds like you have that too. It's like, yes, schedule some time, but also be aware that an idea might strike you at any minute, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I heard this quote by, I believe it was Maya Angelou. And I, when I heard it, I knew exactly what she was talking about because she said, a poem comes like the wind, like it's coming and she can hear it and she runs outside so she can grab it. And if she doesn't run outside fast enough, it's gone. And I do feel like that process happens for me frequently where I will hear something and I know that if I don't get out of bed and write it down or sing it into my voice memo at 2 a.m. in the bathroom, that it will be gone. And so I very much respect that flow wherever it comes from. I have learned to kind of have a relationship with it. So I know some people find that they have like creative blocks and they get stuck. For me, that's never been the case. It's always been like laziness on my part that stops me. So when I get rid of laziness and I just commit to whenever it speaks to me, I will get up and do something about it. More things come. And maybe that's like a spiritual realm we don't want to get into, but I I very much subscribe to that idea that there are creative ideas flowing constantly and you just reach in and get it and be open for it Mm -hmm. when it comes. Yes. The visual image that you painted of... You, know, you go outside because the idea is blowing by and you better grab it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, because I agree with you. I always feel like if you're thinking of this idea, that means it's out in the universe. So it's, it's there for anybody to get. And so what if they get your idea, <laughs> you know, in some respects? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that some songs, some ideas do have your name on it. You know, I very much feel, like I said, respect and ownership over what I've been given. And so I don't take it for granted. And I think that goes back into some people when they don't take action on their book or their poetry or whatever creative endeavor they want. It's usually out of fear, you know, that they won't be able to execute, that they won't be able to do a good job. Um, That'll be a waste of time, a waste of money. And, you know, 
I've experienced all of that, all of those doubts and those fears. I mean, I continually experience them, but you have to train yourself to just keep writing and keep making things even when you don't see the results on the other side of it right away. Mm -hmm. And now you're ready to take another step in your journey after having some of these awards, but now you're going to pursue a different way of making and producing and marketing a, a record in Nashville. Tell us a little bit about that journey and how you're getting there. Well, it started a year ago, almost exactly. It was a New Year's, you know, turn of, it was the 20, 2019 going to 2020. And I was like, you know what? In 2020, I want to make a record. By golly, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those stories. And so I made all sorts of plans. And at the time I was performing and playing with my band all the time. I have a band there in Seattle. And so we were playing a bunch and I was planning my summer tour for uh, to do like a whole bunch of house concerts on the west coast you know california washington idaho utah and i had it all planned out and i had songs that i felt like really were a, were a reflection of you know me and where i was at at that time and then covid happened and it really shook all my plans you know i had to cancel the entire thing i could no longer rehearsed with my band. And I really took a step back and thought, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe this is a sign that it's just not the time. And But I had reached out to a few producer friends that I knew. And I had said, you know, I, I want to make an Americana style. I want to do it with, you know, some professionals in Nashville. I'd never been to Nashville. And I wanted to kind of scale up and, and have that experience, but also make something that felt very rootsy and and almost stripped back a little bit. So I connected with a producer who listened to my previous album and we had an immediate, I mean, it was almost like electrical. We had this immediate connection and I just had this feeling like, you know, I need to make a record with this person. So I moved forward with plans. And as I did, I reached out to my fan base and I said, Hey, I know we're all going through a lot right now. I'd like to know what it is you need. What what do you need to hear in music? Like, what are you not getting that you want to get? And I got so many messages from people who wanted a song to tell them that it's okay, that their life hasn't been a waste until now, that they're still tight. Like all these things, all these themes that people were feeling or just general anxiety and stress. And they told me their stories. And so I started writing, you know, in my creative space and analyzing you know, how it might feel for them. And in November, I actually went to Nashville for some pre-production work and I laid out all this music as a team. And it was, it's a mix of things from my life, but a lot from the people that I reached out to and from, you know, everyday people that have these experiences that they want to hear about. So when I played these for my producer, we just both felt, you know, the whole team just felt like, yeah, this, we need to make this record. And it, it suddenly became not about me at all. Like I realized that the music was something that had been given to me and that I need to put it out there for other people. And I think that's where you really, when you stop putting pressure on your creativity to give you something, to do something for you, and instead flip it over and say, what does this creativity give to others? Like, how am I really serving the world here? And making it less about me has been 
like a transformative musical experience because I'm no longer thinking how can how can I sound the best how can I be more understood in my painful life journey but how can I touch the lives of these people that are struggling and suffering and that's that's just the gift or the burden of the artist mm-hmm. is to share that with people and so yeah so we're moving forward with it I since I didn't do my tour I didn't I wasn't able to get the funding for this record and I'm a completely independent artist. I don't have a record label that I'm working with to cover these expenses. So I launched an Indiegogo campaign to raising funds to make it happen and do all the marketing and pay for all the musicians and all the fun stuff that goes into making a record. Yes. Well, I definitely want to pursue that, but I I want to just underscore, I don't want to skip over something quite profound and provocative that you said. And for creative people who are driven by ambition, you know, I can't wait to get to whatever, the big time and get my work out and get it recognized. You flipped it on its head and said, this work is a calling now. It's a, it's a gift. Now it's practically a mission that people need to hear these messages. And I'm the messenger. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not the spotlight. I'm the messenger. That, that is just a different way of thinking about creativity. And I just really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Like you become a conduit and it's not really about winning awards or being recognized. And to be honest, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to tour with this record. Like ideally in a normal world, you, you know, pay for an album, you put it out and then you tour the heck out of it so that you can recoup your costs and fill seats, you know, so that you can pay your staff and pay yourself a little bit. And I don't know if any of that's going to happen. So it could be a total wash. Like I could lose, you know, all the investment. I might just be, you know, thank you. And I'm at zero again, but it's okay. Like that, luckily, you know, my, my husband has a day job and I've got these kids at home. And so I'm going to, I'm very fortunate. And I know that to be in a situation where I, I can do that, but I feel like being able to see it from a gifting perspective, Mm -hmm. really, it does change things. It changes things a lot. And I'm thinking a lot more about the people that I'm singing it and creating it for rather than for my own elevation in the music world. Like that's great, but I'm not hanging my hat on that this year because Mm -hmm. who knows what's going to happen. Well, and to have that producer and that team in Nashville say, wow, this record needs to be made. These messages, these songs need to get out. It's a whole lot different than, wow, Angela, this record's going to make it big. You're going to be big. You need to make this album. I mean, I'm hearing it completely different than maybe I'm used to hearing it with so many people who, you know, are driven by a different kind of ambition, perhaps. Yeah. Well, and it's still there. I mean, I think that anyone who's doing anything creative hopes, you know, you yes. hope that it does well. You right, hope, right. I mean, there's no like getting around that. You do want it to do well because that helps you do the next thing and the next thing. But really, when you sit back and ask, what is it all for? You know, what is it for? Is it really for my own aggrandizement? No, it's actually not because if I were smart, I would wait. <laughs> Mm -hmm. a year and see and save my money, you know, but yeah. Does it help in the messaging to the people who might join the funding campaign? You know, they go on Indiegogo. Do they register with this kind of message a little bit differently than why don't you give me money to make a record that is going to make me popular? 
I think so. My fan base, they're fiercely loyal and they've been with me since a lot of them since the last record that I made, which was kind of a return to music after like a decade of not making any music. So I think so. I, I, I'm really proud of my fans. They are just the greatest people. Most of them I've never met, but there's a shared understanding about what this means. And I think based on the last record, you know, if, if they benefited from that, then I feel like they, you know, they understand that there's a cost to making the next thing and they want to be a part of that. I think they see that and they want to be a part of something that, that means something. It's not just get my Spotify numbers up. No, definitely. And what, you know, besides the, I guess, logistical roadblocks, you know, you mentioned sometimes you hit these walls in your writing and sometimes it's self-inflicted, but sometimes it's like the muse isn't coming right now. How do you get the spark going sometimes? Like if it's one of these scheduled writing periods, what sort of go-to resources or inspirational materials or reading or other music do you find inspiration from? Mm. I love this because I'm all about feeding my brain. Last year, I ran a half marathon. And, you know, as you're running, you get to a point where you're you're starting to like sort of bonk out and you have these goo chews and you pop them in your mouth and they give you that like little boost. Yeah, it helps. It helps. And for me, I when I'm not writing, I'm listening to my children say things. I'm listening to the music in the grocery store. I have a hard time sometimes focusing on conversations when there's music going on because I'm listening to the music that's happening, not really what's right in front of me. So I just fill my my head with constant flow of, of like new ideas or new things that I can draw from, sort of from my subconscious. But as a real tactical tool, I don't know how specific you want me to get, but but I have an app called Trello and it keeps track of different lists of ideas. And all day long, I'm constantly writing down like, oh, that would be a good idea. And I write that down. Oh, that would be, oh, here's a melody and I'll sing it and I'll log it in there. And I often don't find that I get stuck. There's always something there. And if I'm really coming up with zero, then I'll put on a song that will kind of jog my like, okay, this is the groove. This is what I want. And then I'll go from there. And then if I'm really like just hitting a wall, you know, the next day or an hour later, because forcing it, I don't really feel like that's how creativity flows when you're pushing it too mm -hmm. hard, making a lot of space. I always like to think that creativity is like a programmed dance. If you know how to do the tango or the cha-cha, you do the dance and you do the steps, but the interpretation of it is up to you. It's this dance with music that happens. And if it's feeling forced, then you got to stop and wait until you're not forcing it anymore. I like the idea of using this Trello app. If you're stuck, you could at least go there and there's probably hundreds of ideas that you've already had, you know, yes, well, I, I can go back to that. Well, not some new yeah. well, I already have the well. It's right here. Yes. And I think one of the problems that we have as creatives is that we are not, um, we can be poorly structured. <laughs> we can just be so creative and, and it's just out there and it's flowy and that's awesome. But learning the discipline of writing things down, of being structured, of keeping a calendar, of, of documenting things is a skill that I've had to develop over the last few years. And it saves you so much time because mm -hmm. you're not constantly grappling for something. You're able to like pull from what you are 
already created once upon a time. At least you've organized it in an app. I think about a couple of other songwriters I've talked to that have the file folder with all the napkins and scraps of paper in the backs of magazines that they've written their ideas on. And it's like, somehow I'm going to be going back to this. I hope I can read the bar napkin that I wrote that song on. Yeah, I can relate to that too, though, because I had definitely a time when, you know, I was writing everything by hand. I still do that. I have stuff written everywhere, but I find that the app helps organize me. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about maybe not the state of the music business, because I've had lots of people who bemoan, oh, it's controlled by a few radio chains or a few producers. But I guess the creative state of the business, especially women in music and women singer songwriters, what do you feel the horizon is for creativity? What are we looking for and what should our ears be open to new trends? That is a really good question too. Well, first of all, I feel like the music horizon is very bright for female artists. I mean, women everywhere are being, doors are opening, maybe not as quickly as, you know, we would like, but I think that that's coming, you know, these opportunities musically, you know, it's kind of like as wide as cuisine, right? Like whatever it is that you like and enjoy. However, I do see that people and maybe it's the product of the pandemic. So this might just be my personal opinion. But people are wanting something very real. They're wanting to feel heard and understood. And they want music that describes them that's accurate to them. And I think as as a female artist, you know, as myself, I feel like what I can reflect to people is only something that I see and maybe have experienced myself. So being a mirror to those people and that experience, I mean, that's the job of the artist, right? Is to artistically create, recreate the human experience. And so I think it's actually a really great, I mean, I think we're coming up on some awesome opportunities for women. I think women are being highlighted a lot more than they were in the past. I know for me, I mean, I've even felt it, you know, um, just in the circles that I'm in. And I think that people want something that's authentic and vulnerable and real and that represents them. So that's kind of what I aim for is to be that. Maybe that's just what I want. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you could be part of that trend, part of that movement. Yes, there you go. Well, Angela, I also wanted to share on the program, maybe a couple of your songs, at least clips. Tell me about one that that you'd like to highlight and a little bit about a story behind the song. Mm, Yeah, so the song Rocks is the featured song from my previous album. That song won the Great American Songwriting Contest sort of by accident. I didn't even know that that was a contest, but I, the story behind the song, and I think the reason that it is, that it resonates with people is because it's a song about judgment and about feeling judged and also not judging others and how you apply that judgment. I mean, it's just endless. We we are always judging our surroundings and our other, and other people, but the scenario behind that song and why I think it's important is because I had taken a long break from music, not intentionally, but just life happened. And I had three kids and we moved, you know, from the East coast and back and forth. And, you know, we were four college students and starting a family on, you know, food stamps and Medicaid and, and, you know, kids having surgeries. And it was just a really, really tough decade. It was really, really hard. And so we finally arrived, my husband and I and our three little babies to this new town. And it was just sort of a, a time 
time period of, you know, we didn't have any furniture. We like our mattresses on the floor, boxes in the room. And, um, and at the same time, I had been going through somewhat of a, like a faith crisis, um, transition. And I just felt like, you know, everything was kind of imploding and, and I couldn't, I couldn't really handle it. You know, I just had a baby and two little toddlers running around. It was just, you can imagine it's just a, a lot. It's a lot. It was a lot. And I would look at the piano or I would look at the guitar in the closet and I would just like cry inside because it had been so long since I'd even touched either one. And we had just bought a piano from some neighbor friends for a hundred dollars. It's actually the same one that's behind me. You can't see it. But one night I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a song. And I just pulled out my guitar and this song really just flowed out of the universe somehow. And I wrote that song in about 25 minutes, you know, crying and I'm sitting on this mattress on the floor. And that was the first song that I had written in about eight, nine years. Mm. And it felt really pivotal. And it, it wasn't until I had written, I went on to write a lot more songs, you know, many, many more songs. And it wasn't for another year, maybe two, that I actually played it for someone and then decided to make a record. behind the song it was it's very vulnerable and personal but i think it's universal in its message mm -hmm. and it's it continues to teach me well without even knowing that story that you just shared the first time i heard the song it was very uh, moving you know it's like the message of like you said judgment and why are you judging other people your story and your journey is, I guess, very American. And so I hear this term Americana, and it comes through in a lot of country songs and things like that. But, you know, people telling the story of real life. And when I was asking you about the mood, maybe it was because when I hear an Alison Krauss, for example, these Americana songs, there's something about a mandolin. There's something about an upright bass. You know, there's something about, I guess, the sound of that music that is so like deep in our culture, in our lives. Do you find that that sound, I guess, underscores the mood you're trying to get through, you know, in the lyric? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And the irony of it is that I grew up in Asia and I never heard Americana music until I came to the United States for college and heard a band playing, you know, the mandolin and the upright bass and the fiddle. And I was immediately drawn to it. And I don't know if it's, you know, my American roots. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I was immediately drawn to it. And I actually quit the opera I was doing to be part of this because I felt like, yeah, it was, it was magnetizing and something about that music, even now, you know, even when I, I still produce and write pop stuff, but something about the traditional folk American music is very soulful. It's very real. It's very raw. And it feels like it's not pretentious at all. Like what you hear is what you get. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's it. Yes. It's like there's a period at the end of it. And I just think that's a beautiful thing. And that's, it's my favorite style to write in because I don't feel like there's anything more that you need to say. It's like, it's, it's so, it's so basic and simple, but also like wrapped in so much like richness of culture at the same time. And it's interesting you say it, you know, it hits you right in the, the heart almost immediately, even though you say you haven't grown up with it, so to speak, but it's almost genetic, you know, mm-hmm. and it's effect on us. Yes. That's so interesting. Well, Angela, I can't tell you how much I have enjoyed our conversation. Boy, we could, we could go on and we probably will. We'll, we'll have another conversation, I'm sure. For the moment, where can people find more about you and your music and especially this fundraising effort to get the album off the ground. Yes. Thank you so much. You can find me at my website, which is Angela Soff, that's S-O-F-F-E.com. You can also find me on Indiegogo if you just search my name or even put like Nashville artist or something like that. I think I'm one of the only ones on there right now. And it's funding through February 5th. I'm also on Instagram, Angela Soap Music, and Facebook, Angela Soap Music. You're offering some pretty interesting and personal perks. Uh, it's everything from writing a song with me. I write with a team of songwriters. We write pop stuff, but I also write with Nashville songwriters. So someone can sign up to write with me. I'm, you can get a ukulele, you can get a beanie. I'm designing like a Pacific Northwest sort of beanie to go with the brand and lots of things like, you know, CDs and posters, and you can book an in-house concert with me when it's safe Instagram takeover. I tried to think of things that people would and could do, you know, during a pandemic. Well, the house concert is definitely on the list. I know uh, we won't be able to do that next weekend, but very shortly, <laughs> I know the world will open back up. I, uh, people who know me, uh, we, we love to have house concerts at our house. Uh, in Boise, we have Tree Fort, and uh, we always do something at our house around the music festival time. So it's a lot of fun, and we'll, we'll have to have you over when the, uh, the world reopens. Yes, house concerts are actually my favorite favorite because you know you get to look people in the eye and just sit around like it's just magical it's so Mm -hmm. fun i love it so yes Yes. we'll keep the the introductions and the networking going for sure well angela what a pleasure i mean i I love hearing about the music i love uh, talking about music but also just your your own personal insights into your story uh, your journey and your ambitions and goals to be a messenger for the messages. It's just very inspiring. So thanks for sharing all that. Thank you. Thank you for yes. having me. And listeners, be sure to check out her music. It's Angela Sof. That's S-O-F-F-E dot com. Lots of good stuff there. And you'll learn more about her work, her music, and her journey. 
And of course, come back to our next episode of Unlocking Your World of Creativity. We'll continue to talk to experts around the world about how they approach their creative work. We'll get some tools and exercises and ideas that they use to uh, stimulate. We got one today, the, the Trello app. I can't wait to download that and start uh, collecting my uh, myriad of constellation of crazy ideas and see if I can't get those <laughs> captured in one place. So all of this is on a podcast each and every week. So come back again for the next episode. Until next time, all the best in unlocking your world of creativity. I'm Mark Stenson, and we'll talk to you soon. Creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021. Today's episode was inspired by 12th Fret Music, a music store that cares about the songs, not just the gear. Rob Ridgeway and the staff over at 12th Fret Music is just that kind of store. 12th Fret Music, where they make your music sound great. I'm Mark Stinson. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Or check out my website at www.mark-stinson.com. Thanks for listening.